Hey friends, welcome back. It's good to be with you again, even if it is online. Last week, heading into the new year, I was, I was just excited as you were to you know, kick off the new year in person, especially since it was Vision Sunday for us. But alas, with you know, the sudden spike in COVID cases, we found ourselves behind the camera and on the screen again. And so if you missed last week's service, it's available online, so please do check it out, uh, because in it we laid out the vision that God gave us as a church for 2022 and beyond, and that's this, True North, leading lives that point to Jesus. More specifically, we'll learn and practice leading internal lives pointed by Jesus, in essence, reorienting our inner compasses so that we can lead external lives that point to Jesus for the sake of others, for the sake of the world around us. So I am psyched to dive deep into the inner recalibration and transformation that the Spirit wants to work in all of us and to see the fruit that will result. And I'm very much looking forward to doing it together as community. So rest assured, friends, we will be back in person soon. But for now, please grab your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus. Today's teaching comes to us out of Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. The text states, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you just prepare us to receive your word? Would you help us to focus and ready to learn? And would you make us malleable, Lord? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, just the other day, I was catching up with our senior pastor. And as we got to talking about the recent COVID cases, Omicron, and having our first services of the year online, he said this to me. He said, maybe God allowed this to happen because he knew we needed more rest. And as he said that, I thought about it and replied, I definitely think you have a point. Now, last week, following this sermon portion, we were, we were blessed with a chance to, have, to share fellowship via Zoom. It was like 2020 all over again. But it was a beautiful time of catching up with each other after service, worshiping together and chatting about the message together. And we're going to do that again. So if you're watching this live, hop on the Zoom link in the description below at 11 a.m. PST. But as we were sharing our highs and lows from 2021 and looking ahead to 2022, taking stock of the previous year and thinking about resolutions for the current year, one common theme emerged. We are tired. We're exhausted. You know, we're, we're finding ourselves stuck in a state of perpetual physical, mental, and emotional fatigue. And many of us felt that we had either experienced burnout to a degree, 
or that we're, we were just on the brink of burnout, afraid that this year, this month, this week's tasks, activities, and deadlines just might push us over the edge. And the fact that, you know, the fact that we're in the grayest months here in the Pacific Northwest does not help either. I mean, my wife is from California and she's feeling it, especially as we saw friends fly south to San Diego and Hawaii for the holidays. Not jealous, just saying, okay, maybe a little. Now, this collective tiredness is a sad fact, but unfortunately it's not new. Throughout 2021, as I met with friends and colleagues for coffee, as I attended meetings with staff and, and other pastors, when the question, how are you doing, went around, this was the usual reply. Tired, exhausted, beat. Tiredness, fatigue, stress, and burnout or near burnout have become the norm. More and more, we are becoming a tired people. And it only seems to be getting worse. According to a piece published in August of 2021 by the Global Organization for Stress, 75% of Americans experienced moderate to high stress in the past month. And stress is the number one health concern of high school students. We're, we're so stressed out that we need multiple institutes and organizations devoted to studying it. According to the American Institute of Stress, 77% of people experience stress that affects their physical health. 73% have stress that impacts their mental health. And 48% have trouble sleeping because of stress. And so imagine, imagine yourself in our community. You know, picture yourself back in our physical church building. For at least three out of four people, stress is tearing away at our physical and mental health. And for half of us, we can't sleep well because of stress. It gets worse. People who experience particularly high rates of stress include women and ethnic minorities. Furthermore, studies show that things are getting worse for younger generations. Studies done by the American Psychological Association found that Gen Z teen and adults are facing unprecedented uncertainty, experiencing elevated stress, and are already reporting symptoms of depression. According to their research in 2020, Gen Z adults reported an average stress level of 6.1 out of 10. Millennials clocked in at 5.6 out of 10, Gen X 5.2, Boomers 4.0, and 3.3 out of 10 for anyone older than 75. Now, just for reference, the average stress level across all adults is 5 out of 10. And as you can see, each younger generation is more stressed out than the previous. Now, as you might imagine, COVID is not helping. Nearly 8 in 10 adults say that COVID is a significant source of stress in their lives. So this is the norm, and it seems like things are getting worse. And the group that is suffering the most, the group suffering more and more each year, is this current generation. And so the questions we must ask ourselves are these. Is this the life I have to look forward to? Will things only get worse? Is this the life God has in store for me? And lastly, how did we get this way? You know, how could we possibly live life to the full, something that Jesus promises, if our constant state is tired, stressed, or burnt out? And this is point one. How did we get this way? 
how did we, how did this become the norm? COVID aside, I think if we consider the cultural factors constantly forming us, I think we'll see. But first, let's return to Exodus. The command to keep the Sabbath holy is the fourth commandment here. But if you read them all together, all Ten Commandments, you'll notice that this commandment has the most specific instructions. First, there's the command. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Set it apart. Then there are the instructions. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner within your gates. And then lastly, there's the reason. For six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God is very specific. It's like he's anticipating all of our buts and what ifs, like, can I rest but my wife work? No. Can I make my kid work? No. How about my cow? Can my cow work? No. He's very specific. He, he knows well beforehand how much help we need with this commandment. Rich Viotis points out, you could argue that the commandment most violated by everyone is the fourth. It's also the commandment we often boast about breaking in our pride to express how tirelessly we work. Yet, our lives are under the judgment of our own frenetic pace because we can't stop. We can't stop. So how did we get this way? You know, how did it get to the point where we can't slow down and stop? How did we get to be so dominated by work? Again, let's look at the Israelites and consider the context. Where did the Israelites come from right before being given this command to Sabbath? We've been talking about spiritual formation a lot over the past year. The fact that our surroundings form us and shape our character, determining the people we become. And so what formed the Israelites up until the point they received this command? Viotis points out, for 400 years, the people of God had one identity. They were slaves. You know, most of us spent the past three to five years formed by a social media culture, and, and look what that's made us into. The Israelites spent 400 years as slaves. They spent 400 years working, doing hard labor for the Egyptians. Therefore, their identity was formed by their work and their ability to work. They didn't know rest or freedom. In verse 20, God references what he said in the very beginning. Genesis 2, God states, thus, or Genesis 2 states, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God establishes a life rhythm here for rest and work. He establishes a rhythm that would allow us to actually live our lives, to enjoy rest in him, and to flourish. 
But the Israelites, after 400 years of slavery, had drifted so far from this original identity and rhythm. Viotis writes again, their fundamental identity was related to work. And because work was nonstop, they had no clue how to live any other way. Now, does this sound eerily relatable or what? I often ask my friends who are, are visibly stressed out and worn out, either from work or school, when do you get a break? To which they reply, <laughs> break? How? That's, that's, not, that's just not possible. You know, I, was, I, was reading, I was recently in a meeting in which I asked everyone present, who here observed Sabbath? No hands go up. Friends, we're just like the Israelites. We actually don't know how to live any other way. We're constantly tired and running ourselves to the ground, but we don't know how to live any other way. We don't know how to stop, or we feel like we can't stop. And so how did we get this way? Well, the same way the Israelites did. Let's look again at the culture that forms us. We are a church made up of predominantly immigrant families or, or families with immigrant backgrounds. And that's a beautiful thing. But it also creates a volatile mix of harmful cultural factors when it comes to our work culture and ability or inability to rest. Cultural factor number one, we live in America. We live and breathe in individualism and capitalism. We can make it on our own, but we need to always hustle and make more. Throw into the mix consumerism, the added drive to have more, more, and more. In a culture of everything on demand through Amazon Prime or Netflix or whatever, we propel ourselves into a life of constant hurry and rush. And there we remain, enslaved. Cultural factor number two. As I said earlier, many of us come from a generation of immigrants. We come from a generation of parents or grandparents who had to escape a war-torn country, arrive in the U.S. with absolutely nothing, not knowing the language even, but then do anything and everything to get by and yet still manage to raise a family, still manage to pay the bills and send kids to college. This is amazing. You know, the stories we have in our community are breathtaking, inspiring, appalling at times, and beautiful. But it reminds us that the generations that came before us are not too different from the Israelites coming out of Egypt. People defined by their work or their work ethic and their ability to make it here in this promised land of America. So is it any surprise then that this is their identity? I remember when I was a kid, every time I'd ask my dad, hey dad, how are you doing? Or, or how was your day? The reply every single time was good, busy. Is it any surprise that these cultural values, as honorable as they are, but also as contrary to the way of God as they may be, is it any surprise that these are the values that get impressed upon us? Is it any surprise that this becomes our identity? You know, don't get me wrong, we should work hard. God did create us to work, and these are helpful, productive values that do good if they are not idols. But first and foremost, God created us to rest, specifically to rest in him and his work. Remember, friends, 
God created man and woman on the sixth day. And on the seventh day, he rested, meaning the first day for Adam and Eve was a day of rest. In other words, God intended for our work to come out of our rest, not the other way around. Now, if these factors aren't enough, there's cultural factor number three. We live in the age of social media. Now it's easier to compare the work we've done or not done, the gains we've made or not made, the lifestyle or vacation, house, cars, or status we've attained or not attained through hustling tirelessly. Comparison kills us. This is the pool of cultural influences in which we live. And if we combine factors one, two, and three together, what do we get? Well, statistics say physical, mental, and emotional decay, not to mention a non-existent spiritual life. We are literally working ourselves to the ground and keeping ourselves alienated from God. We live in a state of constant fatigue and constant anxiety. Let me ask you this, what stresses you out? You know, what pushes you towards burnout? Probably everything. Work, school, social life, the social race we're all locked in. I've heard Zoom stresses some people out. The, the future, uncertainty, literally everything under the sun has the potential to stress us out. For me, it's often finances, anything having to do with money, Kids, when is, it, when is the right time? Can I even have kids? Being a good husband, being a good friend, being a good pastor, writing a good sermon, AKA my performance. And you know, sometimes we find hobbies and even, even the hobbies get stressful. You play league and you're stuck at bronze. You, you take up exercise, running, weightlifting, or rock climbing, only to find that you compare yourself to those super fit gym rats with amazing physiques all the time. You know, work is stressful, but then so are the so-called fun activities. Trust me, friends, you're not alone. I'm, I'm right there with you. Work culture, gotta have everything in a hurry on demand culture, fueled by the beast that is comparison, join forces, destroy any chance of peace we might have, and it feels like there's just no escape. John Mark Comer writes, an overbusy, hurried life of speed is the new normal in the Western world and it's toxic. Anxiety is our soul's way of telling us something is deeply wrong and we need to fix it fast. Something is deeply wrong and we need to fix it. Which leads us to point two, what are the stakes? What's at risk or what do we stand to lose? Again, let's look at the Israelites. What kind of people did the Israelites become? We already talked about their 400 years of sl uh, as slaves and, and what that did to them. But if we examine their time leaving Egypt, their time wandering in the wilderness, we also get clear indicators. As God led his people through the desert, and remember, he was there with them the whole time, what did the people do? How did they feel? Were they like, praise God, we're free, and now we get to take this sweet, trip the, this sweet trip through the desert. God is with us. We know he'll provide for us. Water comes from rocks. I love manna. I love quail. Yum. Unfortunately, no, it wasn't like that at all. Quite the contrary. You know, even though God was with them, even though God constantly provided for their every need and constantly proved his faithfulness, power, and love, the Israelites constantly 
forgot it. They constantly complained to Moses, saying things like, Why did you take us out into the desert to die? You know, we're going to starve. We're going to die of thirst. The Egyptians are coming after us. It would have been better if we had stayed in Egypt. It would have been better if we just remained slaves there. Complaint after complaint. So what kind of people did the Israelites become? Well, they became a forgetful people, forgetting God and his character, forgetting his promises, forgetting the fact that God rescued them with a mighty hand, forgetting his presence, forgetting his faithful provision and protection. And as a result, they lived in constant fear and anxiety, not to mention extreme whininess. They lived in constant stress. Does this sound familiar? The question now is, what kind of people are we becoming? In our workaholic, hurrying, go, go, go culture, what kind of people are we becoming? Well, we already know we're becoming more and more stressed out. We know that the stress we experience is taking a serious, damaging toll on our physical health, mental health, emotional health. We know it adversely affects our relationships and our closeness and intimacy with others. We know we are becoming more consumed by our work. Like the Israelites, it's become our identity. Oftentimes we go to parties, exchange names with people we meet, and the next question is usually, what do you do? Meaning, what do you do for work? As if their work is their next primary indicator of their identity after their name. Unfortunately, it gets worse. The, this workaholic culture of hurry and hustle is completely ruining our spiritual lives. In fact, we have no chance of even having a spiritual life. Dallas Willard states, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Comer himself writes, hurry kills all that we hold dear, spirituality, health, marriage, family, thoughtful work, creativity, generosity, name your value. I would argue that we forget that we even hold these things dear. Our dearest things become our careers, our academic performance, the name and status we've made for ourselves, and what we think we gain with these things. But to this, Jesus says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What good is it to have all of this while your soul withers and dies? Friends, what is happening to our souls? When we are constantly working, grinding, and hustling or trying to hustle, we leave absolutely no room for life with God. We leave absolutely no room for relationship with God. We have zero spiritual life. Is it any wonder that so many of us experience zero spiritual growth? Is it any wonder that you don't sense God in your life any more this year than you did last year or the year before? And why would we? We have no time, no time for relationship. In case you didn't know, relationships take time. It's true with people and it's no different with God. And friends, this is precisely where the devil wants us to be. 
Corey Ten Boom famously states, if the devil can't make us bad, if he can't make us sin, then he'll make us busy. That's all he has to do. He wants us to be as far as possible away from God. And most of the time, it's very easy for him to do that. He just needs to make us busy. He just needs to distract us with something. He just needs to keep us at the office after hours or at home in our bedrooms on TikTok. We make it that easy for him. Because as long as he can keep us far away from God, he can keep us stuck in his enslaving cycle, feeding us lies and deceitful schemes, stuck in a constant vicious loop of self-distraction. And friends, I think many of us already experience this. We're getting more worried, more fearful, more anxious, more stressed, sadder. And, and since we're used to wanting and having everything fast, our attention spans are shrinking. And so we're getting dumber too. And lastly, we have absolutely no room for God. Not surprisingly, rest and renewal are impossible. So this all points to one thing, and this is point three. We need Sabbath. We desperately need Sabbath. Our spiritual lives depend on it. But really, I would argue that our whole lives, physical, mental, emotional, and in addition to spiritual, depend on it. And this is why we're starting our year with it. We're trying to start from a place of rest as God originally intended it. In our endless grind, we need someone to pull us out of the endless cycle. We need God to pull us out of it. We need his interruption. As we see in Exodus, God has to tell us to rest because it doesn't come naturally to us. And what's more, our flesh usually doesn't even want the kind of rest that God offers. And we try to look to other things. In our constant hurry, we try to turn to quick fixes. I have friends who think they're mentally and emotionally okay, just so long as they have, as they have something to look forward to in the next week or, or a vacation on the horizon. They end up living for the vacation. Vacation is their great hope, their great savior. We know people, or we ourselves, turn to things like Netflix binging, TikTok, Instagram, alcohol, sex, fantasy, etc hoping they'll offer us a quick fix so that we can quickly get back to our grind. The trouble is, they don't work. They give us a quick hit of pleasure and then leave us wanting more. You know, they don't offer lasting peace. It's not a sustainable lifestyle. For Christmas, my sister got my wife and I a spa day, which was awesome. And we spent an hour in the sauna, in the hot tub, and then we got massages complete with essential oils, calming new agey music and like dim lighting. It was really great. But when we finished, I was like, oh man, I feel like I need this again next week and the week after and the week after. Like I need a spa day every week to survive. You know, deep down, we know our quick fixes don't work. And God definitely knows it doesn't work. Which is why Jesus comes to us and offers a remedy. Jesus tells us, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you 
rest? Do you labor constantly? Are you burdened constantly? Do you feel tired all the time? Do you feel like there's a constant weight weighing down on you? Come to Jesus for rest. He goes on, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus is essentially saying to us, that yoke you're carrying, that attachment to your career or academia, or what you think will bring you fulfillment and satisfaction, the way you do life, that looks like a heavy load. Take my yoke instead. Live like I live. It's still a yoke, you're still attached to something, but you're attached to me. And that's a light yoke. Because I'm strong, my grace is sufficient for you, and I love you. It's been said time and time again, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And what was Jesus' life like? Well, Jesus had joy. Jesus had peace that surpasses understanding. Jesus has abundant love to give. He's overflowing with it. And so therefore, he can say that his way is the best way. If we want to experience the life of Jesus, we have to live like Jesus. Friends, Jesus' life rhythm is a rhythm of grace. It's a life rhythm that always starts with him filling us. Notice how God had Adam and Eve rest before work. Notice how God saved the Israelites before asking anything of them. Notice how Jesus comes to us to live and die for us while we were still sinners. Notice how he always makes the first move for us. God's life rhythm is a rhythm of grace that starts with Sabbath. Observing Sabbath, setting aside that day to rest in God, is literally injecting grace into every week of our lives. It's injecting grace into our daily rhythms. And what are the results? I'll make it easy to remember. Three R's. Sabbath reorients, reorders, and renews. First, Sabbath reorients our identity which is at the heart of our vision, leading lives that point to Jesus. Viotis writes, Sabbath is an invitation to a life that isn't dominated or distorted by overwork. We are not defined by our work. We are defined by God. And who does God say we are? We are people created in his image. We are his beloved. He sent his son to die for us, proving that. But we are also people created to need rest. Remember that. We are also not God. We need this reminder constantly. In Genesis, God himself puts a cap on his work. He created the world, called it good, and he was done. If God, the almighty creator, puts a cap on his work and rests, who are we to think we can work without stopping? We're not God. Second, Sabbath reorders our lives. It reorders the way we structure our lives. We are not slaves. We can stop, breathe, and relax. And more importantly, we can be with God. 
we can be with the one who came to us, inviting us into life-giving relationship with him. Sabbath reorders our lives, our weekly and daily rhythms around God. It recenters us on God. Then we can work from a place of rest and not the other way around. This is a reordering that we all desperately need. What if, instead of planning our rest around our work schedule, we establish time to rest and then plan our work around that? Third, Sabbath renews our souls. N.T. Wright states, It is only when we slow down our lives that we can catch up to God. When we live in constant busyness and hurry, we have no time or space to look inside ourselves, which works well because a lot of us don't want to, and yet our souls and our soul's health depend on it. Sabbath slows us down and makes room for reflection and spiritual awareness. Do you want to be aware of your own spiritual health? Slow down. Do you want to be aware of God, of the Holy Spirit in and around you? Slow down. Sabbath renews our relationship with God in our awareness to his presence. It is only then that our souls can receive care and healing from the healer. Sabbath is a pathway to healing. Sabbath allows us to taste the salvation that we have in Christ. It's a doorway to freedom because it helps us come to grips with our limitations. We're human, and that's okay. You know, it's, free, it's freeing to realize that. When we Sabbath, we break free from the forces and rhythms that threaten to enslave us, and we lean into our God-given freedom. So to conclude, how do we do this? How do we Sabbath? Bear in mind that as I teach this, I am by no means killing it when it comes to Sabbath. In fact, Sabbath is something that I am constantly learning. And if that's you too, that's great. That's okay. You know, start where you're at. Start by scheduling a time. You know, be precise because it actually helps you do it. And then carve out an 8-hour chunk or a 12-hour chunk before you set aside the full 24-hour Sabbath. Then, as you begin to practice Sabbath, allow yourself grace. When I first started practicing Sabbath, it was actually kind of stressful before it was restful. I'd be stressing about losing time, having last-minute tasks come up, and then I'd wonder if I was using my Sabbath time wisely, which was awful because I was gauging my Sabbath time in the same way that I gauge my work time. But show yourself grace as Jesus shows you grace knowing that there's a learning curve. We have to learn how to Sabbath because we spend so much of our lives not Sabbathing. Just start by scheduling a time and do it ahead of time. Don't wait for that free time to magically appear because chances are it won't. Be intentional. And that will probably mean that you might have to stop procrastinating a little so that you can have that space for Sabbath. I know that's a big hurdle for a lot of us. Once you schedule a time and duration, it helps to plan out what you'll do. You know, don't jam-pack your Sabbath with things you want to do, like, I only get this once a week, so I want to do this and that, and sleep in, and get brunch, and meet up with these friends, and then catch that movie, and then maybe go out for drinks. 
If you do, you'll burn up your Sabbath, get stressed, and you will not feel rested. But just lay out a simple plan of restful activities. Enjoy physical rest. Sleep in a little or take a nap. God cares for your physical health. Do things that are really restful. Along those lines, stay away from activities, even fun activities, that aggravate you or, or elevate stress and anxiety. If you know you get worked up when you play video games, that defeats the purpose. You probably want to stay away from that. If social media sucks you in and fuels comparison and envy, stay away from it. You might even turn off your phone. Enjoy food. Have, have some friends over for dinner and enjoy a nice, slow meal. Spend time with life-giving community and relationships. Lastly, start your Sabbath with God. The idea is to rest with God, so start your day with God. Nothing crazy, just read a psalm or a short passage. I'd recommend Psalm 92 or 23, and spend a quiet moment in, in silent prayer and meditation. You might even spend time in worship, redirecting your gaze to God's grace and character. On our Sabbath days, Amanda and I sleep in a little, not too much. We wake up and read a psalm or a liturgy, and then we pray together. We take the dog out for an extra long walk or a park visit. We'll enjoy coffee with brunch or pastries. And then we'll just sit and read for a couple hours. And then after that, if it's nice, we might take a walk somewhere peaceful. And then maybe even end the day with a bath. And no, you're never too old for baths. And that's it. It's simple. So church, I believe by the grace of God, we can do this. Just imagine if all that we did actually came out of a place and time of rest. What if we were rested before entering the work week or school week? What if we were rested before spending time with a friend or reaching out to someone? Pete Cazera writes, the state you are in is the state you give to others. And so think of the life and the love you'd be able to offer to those around you internal change resulting in external fruit. What if we didn't wait until we were completely fried to then rest? Why not take on God's life rhythm of grace and start with real rest, with Sabbath? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of, of rest. We thank you for how serious you are about it. And we thank you, Lord, for the life that you give us through rest in you. God, we, we ask that you would, by your spirit, just break us away from the harmful patterns that we're stuck in. Interrupt our work schedules and our daily rhythms. And help us to create that time and that space to be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.